It is episode 105. Today we discuss responsible AI. We want to talk about what it takes to you know, go that extra mile to do the right thing by the technology, but more importantly, by the people. I am Michael Askins, architect and technologist, and this is the Technology Architecture Show. How are you doing today, Chris? Doing well, Michael. Um, happy, uh, what is it, Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah, it's Wednesday. Losing track. It's already been a long week. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. It's definitely been a long week. Um, so again, I'm going to put the disclaimer at the beginning of the show. Um, been advised by a lot of uh, people that uh, we're getting a lot of ears and people are trying stuff. So we want to make sure that everyone knows that all things discussed on this show are for informational and occasionally entertainment purposes. You should always consult a professional prior to attempting to deploy any business or technology strategies we discuss. Uh, you know, it may or may not be compatible with your environment or maybe business processes that you have already. So you want to kind of think it through before you just go push the go button. Uh, that being said, you know, we got Chris uh, returning champ here and we're going to dive head first into responsible AI. Yeah. Uh, you want to kick us off? Well, yeah. And, and um, to your point, um, at least today, we're, we're talking about more um, an overview of, yeah. of, you know, best practices, um, you know, and, and really more methodology and and uh, theory around a lot of this stuff. Right. It's it's yep. not as much of a, a practical application. Of course, we have um, a, a lot of good resources for folks who are interested in, um, you know, going deeper into this subject feel free to reach out to me, you know, feel free to reach out to Michael, feel free to uh, reach out to whoever you're working with at Microsoft, right? Yep. <laughs> um, there, there's, there's a lot of good stuff on this. So really just want to kind of um, give an overview. Uh, it, it actually plays nicely into, um, you know, what I've got going on on, on the, the professional side as well, where, you know, um, responsible AI is, is a big topic um, throughout Microsoft. It's um, part of our own internal charge um, to be able to identify where, um, you know, it, it, it could be potentially being used irresponsibly, right? Um, where, you know, we, we've got certain mandates around um, certain aspects of AI um, that are considered to be, um, you know, either um, eliminating privacy or, or, you know, sensitive in nature or um, could lead to certain types of discrimination and things like that, that, um, you know, as, as Microsoft employees, we are charged to identify and report if, if, you know, something like that happens. So, um, you know, it, it's very much um, along the lines of, of what we need to be able to understand and, and live in our culture. Uh, and, and so it's, it's definitely something um, that we will dive into here. And um, it, it should hopefully provide a good framework for folks to understand what it's about. So, um, you know, when right off the top, um, we want to look at what it means to um, be responsible, right? What, what does responsible AI, um, how it applies to our customers, our partners, um, us internally at Microsoft, um, you know, in, in, in even our competitors, right? So, 
um, we, we've established um, uh, a consortium of sorts with um, all of the big tech companies to um, understand what the standards are when it comes to um, applying AI methodologies and, and technologies, um, you know, from a from a corporate standpoint, you know, and, and personal standpoint. So, you know, we want to look at that, right? How does it apply to a, a person individually? How does it apply to a project that they're working on? And what are some of the considerations around that project? Uh, how does it apply to us as technologists in, in our careers going forward? You know, it's, it's something that we need to um, have in our minds, right? Because uh, we've all seen Terminator, right? So uh, <laughs> we'd like to yeah. that if we could, right? Um, and then, you know, ultimately, uh, where did all this come from? Why, why is this a topic? Like, why do we have to consider it and think about it? Right. And, and, you know, so when we look at, um, sort of the nature of this, uh, the way that the AI topics in, in, um, common areas are advancing, it's, it's just, it's basically outpacing, um, traditional technology and traditional innovation, right? Um, and and part of the challenge with that is really um, how it becomes a, um, a a personal nature and how it can affect us personally, but also how it affects society, right? Because it you know it's artificial intelligence, right? I mean, the idea here is. Um, how close is what we're doing to human intelligence? Um, you know, and, and what are we augmenting? Uh, and, and how do we, how do we do it in such a way that, um, you know, we aren't, um, um, putting anybody at risk as a result. And so really when you look at it, um, you know, and, and some of the history behind this, right. Um, the, the advancements in just the last um, five to 10 years in, in what we've been able to do is just astounding. You know, um, in, in 2016, in the, the vision category, right? So computer vision, cognitive vision, um, they, they were able to get object recognition um, at human parity, essentially. So measuring, um, you know, what what a human eye sees versus what a uh, computer eye sees, essentially, uh, you know, for the folks who, who aren't familiar with the topic. And, I, and I'll, I'll kind of give a little more detail so people understand exactly what these categories mean. Um, but, you know, uh, if you look at a picture of a cat and you see a cat, you know, it's a cat. Um, if, if a computer looks at a picture of a cat uh, and it sees a cat, it knows it's a cat. Now, there's a lot more beyond that, right? Because, um, you know, what if it's a cat upside down? What if it's a cat backwards? What if, you know, um, and, and some of those types of things where you don't have some of the more distinguishable features, right? But, um, you know, for a one-for-one one looking at a picture of a cat, um, you know, in its normal form, uh, compared to that computer vision, it's a cat. Um, if, if you would think the only thing, like as many cats that are on the universe, right. on the internet, you'd think we'd get cats right from all angles. <laughs> Just you saying. You would think, um, but that's what's, that's, what's really interesting about AI, um, you know, and, and sort of what you and I grew up with thinking what AI was compared to sort of what it's evolved to today. And there's different, you know, nuances around AI, right? There's, mm -hmm. there's sort of that, um, that truly genuine 
artificial intelligence where um, a computer is able to uh, learn on its own and adapt to any type of situation, right? Um, there, there is certainly some advancements in that space, um, you know, but those are very um, unique cases at this point, right? When, uh, when we look at, you know, things like self-driving cars or the robotic dogs, you know, that, that we've all seen a video of and stuff like that. And they're figuring out these situations. And, and so those are some really interesting cases. Um, but at the same time, um, the human senses, you know, if we hear a cat versus, you know, seeing a picture of a cat. They're two different things. We know it's a cat either way. A computer may not, depending on how it's programmed and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so then the, the next um, big milestone was speech recognition, right? And in 2017, um, speech recognition hit human parity, right? So, um, you know, understanding um, what, is, what is being said and being able to put that into some type of readable form Right. Um, that was 2017. Uh, reading comprehension reached human parity in 2018. Translation it also in 2018 for human parity. Um, speech synthesis was near human parity in 2018. Right. So not quite there. Um, and then uh, language understanding, um, you know, in 2019, we uh, we hit that. So, um, you know, that's that's uh, four short years where, you know, the major senses of a human, uh, I'll accept touch, of course, uh, you know, where, you know, well, and smell, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that too. Um, you know, but but at human parity in, in a very short amount of time, um, you know, with the advancements in our computing technology and the advancements in deep learning and um, just the algorithms that are being built and, and um, the, the capabilities that are being built that are being sent to the masses by, you know, looking at a cognitive services type um, application. Uh, it, it just, it really opens the door for just massive advancements very, very quickly. And, you know, of course, Microsoft isn't the only one doing this, right? Um, you know, AWS has a practice, um, you know, uh, around similar areas, right? Um, responsible use technologies um, to help continue innovation, um, but it has to be fair and accurate um, for AI and machine learning services, um, as well as providing tools to help you build out fair uh, AI and ML applications, right? Uh, Google. Uh, also has sort of a, a development of, of AI and responsible AI areas, you know, to ensure that um, uh, applications using AI are being built um, with fairness, interpret interpretability, uh, privacy, and security all sort of in mind while you're building it. Um, Microsoft will go through um, the the pillars that Microsoft stands on uh, when we when we you know go into a little more detail. Um, you know, but, and, and we also still have IBM, um, who, you know, are, are largely thought of as, as one of the, um, one of the leaders in the space. Um, although when you kind of look at it and actually do the analysis, it's more just kind of really good marketing, uh, and, and the majority of, of what they were, um, uh, you know, chirping about for a while there has been surpassed by a lot of the technologies. So, sure. but they also have a trustworthy AI practice in, in talking about, um, ethical AI practices and things like that. Right. So you've got these very, very large technology companies who are all working, um, 
um, on on their own space, of course, and their own products and and ways to leverage the capabilities that are being built. Uh, but they're also uh, on board with you know a lot of the principles behind how we do this responsibly. Yeah, the, one of the key things that you you touched on is every player has you know, a seat at the table here and that's important. Right. So if you just, you know, pull up Bing or Google and you go in there and you just put responsible AI, every top major cloud and tech provider has some sort of a, a link to get you where you need to go. Um, I, I do hear and feel you on the, the marketing aspect of it. You know, you know, the whole Watson chess elevator story that they tell uh, IBM that is um, big blue, you know, they're, they, they do have strides in their, in their lanes and in their, space um it's just not as uh it just doesn't appear to me to be as you know ubiquitous across the platforms when you start talking about hey who are you using for ai you know unless you're you know diehard ibm shop it's very likely it's you know microsoft or you know aws yeah i mean google has a place there too um you know and and there are pockets from all of them like you said yeah. you know um and and i think that uh, our approach is a little different because, um, you know, our, our, our being Microsoft, um, you know, we are focusing more on those APIs that can help customers to, um, use these in their applications and, and leverage some of the stuff that's already been built. Um, you know, whereas, um, a lot of the, um, uh, deployments that that the competitors have put out there are largely focused on specific areas and um, more giving um, the the their customers the tools to build what they need as opposed to um, providing uh, specific um, services software you know it's it's like right there straddling on it right because it's in, in a way it's an affected software um with a machine learning model behind it but really it's it's a service that we're providing as an api so um you know it's, it's kind of like um it, it's sort of different approaches and of, and of course we have different approaches in a lot of stuff you know platform as a service offerings first party services um our partnerships and, and those types of things um you know we all kind of do it a little bit differently um you know so Obviously, being being an employee, I, I've got my own uh, views on on how it's being approached and things like that. Uh, but what's most important to me is how I can support my customers and in, in achieving what they need to, you know. So, um, so we'll go in and and look at, um, you know. So there are, there are basically uh, six areas um, that Microsoft has defined, and uh, you know, on on top of defining um, the areas. Um, on how to define um, responsible AI, you know, the other thing too is is looking at um, our internal um, ways of dealing with it. You know, we, we've got a um, responsible AI committee internally. Um, you know, it's our Ether committee um, that that was somewhat founded from uh, a. a, a, a an open letter, if you will, that, that Satya put out back in, um, I think it was 2016 or 17, you know, basically saying that like, if we're going to do this, you know, we need to do it right yep. so that nobody's being condemned, you know, and that, and that we're doing it in such a way that, um, uh, it, it helps us, um, you know, but we can also, um, know exactly what we're looking at, what we're dealing with and ensuring that, um, it's it's not going to hurt anybody as part of it. 
So um, those six main areas are, are fairness, um, reliability and, and safety, uh, privacy and security, inclusiveness, transparency and accountability. And so we'll, we'll unpack each of those kind of as we go through. Um, so fairness, you know, uh, the way we define it is that AI systems should treat everyone fairly and avoid affecting uh, similarly situated groups of people in different ways. Right. So just as an example, when AI systems provide guidance on medical treatment or loan applications or employment, right? They should make the same recommendations to everyone with similar symptoms, right? Uh, or financial circumstances or professional qualifications, right? Um, depending on who writes these systems, depending on who's building these applications, um, the, there could be biases uh, unintentionally you know, based around things like, um, you know, culture or religion or, um, you know, uh, politics or, you know, region that you're from, um, you know, and, and obviously we're, we're in the U.S., um, you know, and we look at things a little differently than other parts of the world do. Right. Um, and, and we want to make sure that we're, we're thinking about things like, um, you know, are we taking the bias when it comes to race or sexual orientation or nationality or or, you know, any of the belief systems that we're raised on? And so it's basically taking all those things into account. And and all of these um, areas are really designed to um, be measured, documented, you know, and reported on to make sure that our, um, you know, internally and our partners and our customers are all following um, these things um, and and for their own tracking purposes. Right. But then also, um, you know, to make sure I mean, we're not going to go in and check anybody's scorecard to make sure that, yeah. you know, um, that, that they're following the rules. Um, you know, but at the same time, you know, we, we've got, you know, big, um, um, uh, not warning boxes, but like notation in our documentation when it comes to a lot of the cognitive services and a lot of the AI stuff, you know, one of the big ones is, um, um, you know, cognitive vision for facial recognition. Right. And, yep. and, um, you know, that some of the challenges around that we'll kind of, we'll do a few of those, you know, that, that were, you know, that we think about frequently, um, you know, at, at, toward the end here. Um, so the first one's fairness, right? Um, and really, it's basically that, uh, you know, we all carry around these inherited biases, right? Uh, it's just, it's something that we grew up on, you know, we, we think about certain things in a certain way. And right or wrong, it's how we were raised. It's, it's what, you know, what we know, right? And, you know, if, if a person isn't stepping outside of their block, they're not coming out from under their rock, it's the only thing that they see. And it's the only thing that they know. And so, you know, we want to make sure that, um, that these are avoided because those, those inherent biases really affect the decisions and actions um, from a day-to-day basis and could, lead to biases within the AI systems that we're building, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's also, uh, we, you hear a lot of the times those who are on the periphery of technology that the systems are coded with bi- with bias. And sometimes it's not necessarily blatant bias. Sometimes it's just systemic bias that things have been a way and we have not been 
taught to look at it a different way, or maybe we weren't, we didn't look at it a specific way because we weren't, weren't part of a marginalized group or one that this would have effect on. So it comes out even intentionally or unintentionally, there's, there's a chance for bias. So you want to catch that, right? Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, like I said, when we get sort of um, through what the different pillars are, we'll talk a little more about some specific cases, um, you know, but, um, there are some glaring examples that are unintentional, you know, sure. but, but certainly exist for sure. So, yep. um, so the next pillar is around, um, reliability and safety, right. And really the, the goal here is to, um, to build trust, right. And, and have our AI systems operate reliably, safely, and consistently under normal circumstances and in unexpected conditions. Right. So, um, how the systems behave and the different types of conditions that um, that they can handle reliably and safely will um, reflect the the range of situations and circumstances that the different developers who are building these systems can anticipate during the design and testing phase, right? And so, um, you know, when you, when you think about um, the history of software and and, and software engineering. Um, you know, we've, we've built these systems for years, right? Um, you know, I mean, you, you think of, of, of computers, you know, being people way back in the day. And then, and then you had mainframes and, and stuff like that, that, you know, we're using punch cards and, um, it was always taken into account as, as we evolve those systems around, um, you know, whether it be robotics or automated systems and things like that, that we always, uh, you know, sat in a room, well, you would, you would hope, um, that sat in a room and, you know, go through and say, okay, what are the risks of implementing this? And, you know, could somebody be harmed unintentionally? Right. Um, well in AI, if, if that, um, if that computer system, that computer program is making its own decisions and its own versions of of um, what action takes place next, um, it really needs to be thought of, okay, how could this affect somebody downstream, you know, in unexpected ways? And so really we need to kind of take those things into account. Um, and, and, you know, we've got very, very clear rules when it comes to engineering, software engineering, because we've got so much experience with it. Whereas, you know, AI, um, if, if not, um, if, if this particular pillar isn't attended to properly, then we run into some pretty severe risks as a result, you know, and, and we start talking about, um, you know, making, uh, decisions based on, uh, you know, let's just use self-driving cars, right. Um, you know, if, if there's any object, um, that, that is questionable or unacknowledged or, um, unrecognized, um, I think that, you know, the car is going to stop <laughs> as opposed to, uh, you know, I'll go around it or what, you know what I mean? Like, it, like if, if the car doesn't know how to deal with it, it's going to stop now yeah. that could present challenges down the road, right? Because what if, what if the guy behind you, you know, is, is, uh, you know, right on your tail and, and you get rear-ended and, and those types of things. And, and those are all things that, that have to be considered. 
Um, you know, and, and a buddy of mine, uh, drives a Tesla. We were, uh, we were out the other night and, and, you know, raining really hard and, and he's, he put it in autopilot mode, you know, and we're just kind of going through and, and it, just trying to get the sense of what autopilot is like, you know, and, and the, the pouring rain, you can barely see the lines, you know, you've got a pretty heavy traffic, you know? And so like, just, uh, interesting the way that the car makes decisions the way it does, you know, yeah. and. Um, you know, if, if, um, I, we were kind of just chatting through and I was like, okay, what happens if somebody comes off on an on-ramp and, and basically gets in front of you and, you know, slows way down, you know, and I was, will it change lanes automatically if it's clear? And the answer was no, you know, it's just going to slow down. Right. And so, um, you know, certain things like that, it's just like, we, as humans, we're going to change lanes if it's safe. Um, sometimes when it's not, that's a, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, whole, but, a whole different YouTube channel. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but you know, basically we're, we're going to change lanes and continue on, you know, our pace. Whereas the car just says, um, I, I'm not going to make that decision on my own. Um, uh, you know, mind you, if you just flip the directional, it will change lanes for you. Um, you know, again, assuming it's safe. Um, but you know, it's things like that, that, you know, really just take some getting used to, um, you know, whereas, uh, I've, I've driven cars, you know, rental car or something like that. And, and it's got like the lane minder service, right. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Nissan, I believe has, has one and, you know, it basically wants to center you on the lane. And as you go around a corner, it's kind of got like a, a really unsteady jittering. Now this was a few years ago, so things may have changed and may have improved, but like, as it's going around a corner on its, on its own in that lane mining system, it gets very jittery. It's, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, <laughs> you get like severe vibrations almost from it, um, especially in the wheel. Um, and then like, if you've got the lane miner service on and then you go to change lanes without using a directional say, um, it, it's going to fight you for a second. Right. And so, um, you know, things like that is, is, you know, like, where does that go? How does that evolve? You know? And so we talk about safety, you know, obviously self-driving cars is a big one. Um, you know, but there are obviously quite a few applications out there, you know, that, that this is going to come up. Yeah. Especially, Um, especially in the manufacturing realm, right. As there's, there's, there's dangerous areas where we're trying to get humans out of and have humans run machines that can do this. Uh, and, and the next step is where humans are running the process and you can like, just think of, you know, steel and aluminum, hot metals, you know, imagine if it just didn't gauge something right. And you dump a, you know, a giant crucible of molten metal on the floor where there's workers. I mean, that's catastrophic, right? Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, um, uh, I, I actually don't have enough experience with what's happening on machine shop floors, but, um, you know, obviously, um, there's a big presence of robots that are, um, designed to do a specific task and that's all that they do. Um, but that's evolving, you know, and, and some of the stories that I've heard about, like, um, you know, warehouse robots that are doing pick and pack and things like that, um, you know, I would have to imagine that there are um, certain controls in place so that if, if there's an object in the, on the warehouse floor, um, that robot has to stop for that object. Right. Um, you know, so whether that be a human or a box that fell off a shelf or got dropped or something like that, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and some alert gets thrown somewhere, um, you know, but, but if those controls weren't put in place and somebody's dog got loose in the factory, 
that could be a problem, you know? Yeah. And, so, yeah, and, it, and that stuff's there. I mean, we, we see that in the retail environments where there's, you know, the large, uh, I won't name them, but the large big box store that where the, you know, the membership club warehouse, um, they have automated floor washers now and mm-hmm. they're just zooming all over the place, keeping the floor clean. Cause it's, you know, nice and safe and clean, especially right. with, you know, in the COVID age, you know, there's, you know, the UV sterilizers too, from people, hacking all over the place. But when you walk in front of it, it stops and it like sends a little alert off. It waits for it to clear. And then once you're clear, you go, uh, it's, you know, those pick and those pick move around type solutions where you're, we're on the same floor as a human. You're right. There, there's, there are things in place for that. Uh, I do have quite a bit experience in the, in, in the, you know, manufacturing floor. It's, it's the ones that are, you know, massive amounts of machinery moving massive amounts of weight or, you know, dangerous things. Um, you know, that's the ones that gives you pause, like, okay, what are the safety checks here? Um, you know, obviously people are thinking it through, you know, you, you have to think it through for, you know, safety and well-being. Um, it, it's just, it's a lot to your point, reliability and making sure that things are, you know, working, but the safety bit, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and so that's, yeah, that's, that's one of the things, I mean, reliability, I think they kind of work together as right there. That's why there is one pillar, um, yep. you know, but, but it has to be reliably safe at the same yep. time. Right. So, <laughs> um, all right. So the next pillar is privacy and security, right? Um, obviously all this stuff is exploding. I kind of gave a timeline of what's been happening for the last uh, five or six years. Um, but, a big piece around this and and this comes through in sort of every application in in today's age around how is your data being shared how is it being used um you know but the ability to protect that privacy and the security um is you know of critical importance um for for all humans um and you know there need to be certain um uh whatever factors taken into, uh, into account as we're, um, building these systems, right. Um, really AI systems can access all the data they want in, in sub- these types of scenarios in order to make, um, more accurate and more informed predictions and really, decisions, right? Because you start with a prediction and based on the threshold that you set, um, you know, if it's over 90%, um, you know, predicted to be true, um, as an example, then do, you know, the next step, right? So I'm, I'm making a prediction based on a set of parameters and I'm going to take the next step. Well, um, you know, if, if, uh, that next step, divulges personal information un, uh, unintentionally, you know, it, it's something that, um, you know, we need to think about, right? And this this rings true um, in, in the, the world today where, you know, as humans who are willing to, you know, give our personal information over to get something back, um, you know, our, our browsing habits or our interaction habits, um, you know, with social networks and, um, you know, those various um, types of platforms that, that, you know, the majority of us use these days, um, you know, what comes from that? You know, how, how do we um, control how our data is, is remaining private and remaining secure. Uh, well, you know, if 
you know, you use a, a certain platform uh, email, for instance, um, that email is never secure, right? It's it, it's n- not at least from, um, you know, the, the AI scraping tools in the background that are pulling out any details from your email in order to target you with ads. And they're monetizing that data, um, you know, and, and obviously there are a lot of uh, public cases around how it's being improperly monetized, right? And and so that you know that that certainly um, is is near and dear to many uh, people. Uh, but we are knowingly agreeing to that in a certain way. It's just a matter of you know we also have this expectation that yeah, I know that I'm giving up my privacy by having a, a Facebook account, a Twitter account, and a LinkedIn account. I know that I'm giving up a certain privacy as a result of that, and. And I'm making information public myself as a result of that. But at the same time, I have the expectation that they are securing that data in the background, right? And they're not going to unintentionally divulge it with some AI system that they're building. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's that matter of being able to uh, ensure that the data remains secure um, and, and that privacy is, is only being exploited for the purposes that we're allowing it to be exploited. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a challenging issue, uh, especially when we talk about these platforms, but um, it's certainly something we want to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you touched on, uh, you know, emails getting scraped for certain services and, and and you can tell, right, you know, certain mobile devices or certain apps on your phone, you know, it's been, you know, you talk about some really obscure thing and all of a sudden you type three characters in and you're doing a search and all of a sudden, boom, there's your result for some really obscure thing. I mean, sure. People or don't your re- ad comes up on Instagram yep. for something you were talking about yesterday, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And people don't read the end user licensing agreements. They just want to use the service. Mm-hmm. So they're like, next, next, yes, go, I'm on, right? right? One of the things I've found that has become problematic in, in the more legal sphere is we're willingly giving up our location too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when we have mobile devices, we're walking around with, you know, I love Google maps. Right. And it asks me like, you were here. Did you like that? You know, I'm super star for answering those questions. And that's great because I want to know the traffic and I want to be able to get to PPG paints arena to watch my beloved uh, flightless birds play hockey. Right. You know, so it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes you give that up, but on the same sense, um, it, it is, it is when you, when you overlay some sort of a system that has access to that. So not only d- d- does a system, if it's not responsibly de- deploy, know where you go, when you go there and know how long you're there. And it knows all the details about you, all this stuff is aggregated. And you know, that that's a big honeypot for a bad actor. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, it's funny. I mean, you know, we pick on the social networks because it's, you know, it's an easy target sometimes, yeah. um, you know, and, 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 you know, I think in general, there's some pretty negative stuff that comes out of those. Um, you know, there's also some great stuff that comes out of it too. Don't get me wrong. Um, uh, but you know, it, it's even simpler than that. You know, um, meeting with customers the last couple of weeks, make a reservation on open table, uh, and, less than a week later, I'm getting emails from that restaurant that I never subscribed to their emails, but 
guess what? I made a reservation on a free platform that allowed me to do it easier than having to call the restaurant and make a reservation. And so now I'm getting emails from them, you know? And so again, yeah. it's, it's one of those things where, and, and I'm sure that was in my agreement that said, yeah. you know, this, this partner, you know, of ours will contact you yeah. uh, as a result with their spring specials, you know? And yeah. so, uh, and so, you know, then I got to hit unsubscribe, but um, you know, it, it's kind of like, well, those things are linked together. Um, on, on the bright side, right. We've made significant advancements when it comes to privacy and security, you know, and, um, look in the tech space, GDPR was a giant pain in the butt. If you were in it, right. If, if you had to do anything in it, um, you know, anywhere from help desk all the way to CIO, uh, it was a giant pain in the butt. There's so much that goes into it. You have to really, really analyze everything that your business is doing in order to ensure you're compliant. However, that was designed to protect us, right? Um, it, not not as much Americans because we don't have GDPR. Um, but what's the one in California? Triple C or something? Yeah. I can't remember, triple CP or something? Whatever yeah, it is. Something um, like that, yeah. You know, it, and we're going that way, right? I yeah. I would not be surprised to see that come down. I know there's been a lot of talk about it. I don't know of any uh, official legislation that's been introduced or anything like that, but um, I'm sure that's coming um, here sure. to the states as well. And so is the backlash from business. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so, um, you know, it's great that we're starting to get involved. Um, You know, there there are a lot of political implications and a lot of that kind of stuff and how it affects companies, how it affects their wallet. Um, You know, um, a significant amount of our, um, you know, government officials are um, probably not even using computers themselves. Right. So it's uh, it's 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 kind of an interesting state uh, where these are coming from. But, uh, you know, again, it's the, the, the fact that we're putting a focus on this, the fact that we've got a consortium of tech companies who have this in the forefront, um, you know, and, and that are um, building policies like this are, are really important. So um, definitely glad we're making progress there. Um, so now the next one is inclusiveness, right? And this is really focused around um, over a billion people in the world who have disabilities, right? And what AI can do for them, as well as, um, you know, how we consider um, building our AI systems to make sure that um, they are accessible to those disabled people, right? Um, <laughs> I yelled at you for, t- for <laughs> noise and, and I get a call. Uh, <laughs> um, so basically, you know, um, uh, we've got this ability that AI can really improve access to things like education and government services and employment and just general information around the world and, and just tons of stuff. Right. Uh, and um, being able to design our systems for inclusiveness um, really helps the developers understand and address any of the potential barriers in um, the environments that could unintentionally exclude people. Um, when we address the barriers, right, we, we, we are able to uh, create opportunities to innovate on our systems and design better experiences that benefit everybody. Right. Um, you know, we, you know, you've got a whole range of disabilities where it's, you know, um, a, a simple loss of hearing, you know, slight loss of hearing, I should say not simple or a slight loss of vision. I mean, we both wear corrective lenses, um, you know, and, 
and a lot of opportunities around that kind of stuff. I, I don't know if you've seen like the digital um, zoom lenses and stuff like yeah. that. They're creating, you know, some really, really cool stuff. Um, you know, digital contact lenses and stuff. It's just amazing. Um, you know, and, and hearing aids and, and things like that. But um, you know, we, we are fortunate, you know, and, and not everybody has the same advantages that we do. And so, um, you know, by building these systems that are helping people, we want to make sure that we're including them as we build them. And so, you know, really, um, with, with these things coming into mind, it really gives the ability for, um, computer systems to just be accessible who really don't have that type of accessibility. So, um, you know, when we talk about, uh, language processing and being able to um, uh, use like the the Microsoft Seeing AI app, which is a free app in the App Store for iOS, uh, you know, and, and a person who can't see a menu, say, um, you know, they hold it over that menu and it reads the menu to them, you know, and, and things like that. Uh, <laughs> before I got my prescription upgraded, I actually had to use it because <laughs> in low light conditions and, and my, my, you know, 40 something eyesight, you know, starting to wane, um, you know, I, I couldn't see it. You know, so using seeing AI, I could actually hear what was on the menu, which which was very cool. And and I'm an edge case, you know. So, um, and and really, it's just about developing these systems and in keeping that in mind when we are developing them. Yeah, it's uh, people have commented before when these go to video, they're like, "Why do you look up sometimes?" It's like because I got the bifocals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any any advantage you can get from like like you mentioned, there's you know those who are you know. Mint, they're they're fine. They don't they don't have any challenges to you know those who are you know slight at a slight disadvantage to those who are you know heavily or extremely disadvantaged. When you when you start to provide the services equally to them, mm-hmm. um, you actually give them agency because you know they make can make those who are in that in that category can make our systems better too. In, in ways beyond just, uh, you know, the, their, their disadvantage. Right. Sure. Um, you know, it's, you know, I, I personally, I know a guy who's a, you know, a rock star PhD guy and he's, you know, very, he's like 90% hearing loss. He's like 90% vision loss and he uses all kinds of technology, uh, to help him, you know, work on, you know, algorithms to help, you know, organizations be better. And mm-hmm. if it wasn't for some of the technologies we had today, he wouldn't be able to do his passion. He wouldn't be able to, you know, help organizations thrive. So, uh, and he's one of the, one of the few unique people that has certain capabilities at looking at things a certain way. So by all means, you know, we've done things with the cloud to democratize it for the small business. Well, let's do even more to help those who can contribute uh, across small business to enterprise who are, you know, maybe have a slight disadvantage or I, I don't minimize by saying slight, but you know, some challenge to, you know, extremely challenged. Let's do it, man. Right. I mean, right. you can yeah. see, and you can see Microsoft's all in on that, right? Even their devices they got for the surface, they got, you know, the touch kits, I, I forget the actual names, but it's, you know, on all the different ports and all the different areas so that you can actually interface with the surface, you know, by touch if, if you need to. Right. right. And, right. and so everything from physical access all the way through to when we start talking about what we're talking about today, AI, sure. we're including that. Um, it, it was funny because when I, when I, first saw the list of the six pillars you're going through, I stopped and I was like, where's diversity, diversity, Mm -hmm. inclusiveness, but it's technically diversity is up under fairness. Right. Mm -hmm. 
because mm-hmm. we, we want to talk about giving everybody agency right. uh, regardless and, of and inclusiveness too right it's a combination yeah. of both yeah yeah yeah. So it's um, uh, it's unique how like each one of these pillars you're talking to, each one spills over, and it's not like they're unique pillars to themselves. There's like a little bit of an overlap that creates this massive, this big big giant pillar that holds everything up. You know, at least that's the perception I get from it. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I mean, when when you look at even just something as simple as PowerPoint, you know, um, it, it's going to test your accessibility, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are there images? Um, you you know, uh, that, that uh, uh, seeing impaired person wouldn't be able to, to make out, um, yep. you know, does it uh, does it uh, translate well for you? You know, if there are other languages and things like that. And so, you know, right down to the bottom of your PowerPoint, right, it says accessibility and, and it'll yep. tell you, you know, good or investigate or, or bad or, you know, whatever it's going to tell you. Um, yep. So, yeah. A hundred percent. Little quick sidebar too for those mm-hmm. that are out there. Just know that when you're in Teams or if you're you have PowerPoint on, you can turn captions on. And anytime, like I have over here, a Wacom board. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I'm going to whiteboard something out, like even on a session like this, I make sure the captions are on yeah. uh, because if my camera and my face goes away. Uh, you know, those who, who maybe are just kind of reading lips or, you know, doing a little bit of both. I put the captions there. And every time, every time I do that, I get somebody say something about that in a positive way. Mm-hmm. So little things that we can do like that, um, which is actually all that's built on AI platforms, right? It's right. like picking up the voice. It's doing the transcription. It's putting yeah. it out on. So, um, you know, those services, we turn them on, use them uh, because they're there for a reason. Yep. Yep. It's gotten so much better too. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I can remember when I first got into technology, I was a, um, I was a uh, uh, help desk guy and I, you know, intern college. And we were, we were, I worked for a company that was actually, um, making and printing and packaging, uh, the dragon naturally speaking kits. Yep. Right. And so, you know, going back to like those versions, which was, you know, over 20 years ago, almost, almost 25 years ago now, <laughs> crazy. uh, you know, it's, 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 it's amazing how far it's come. And, and, you know, even, um, with the acquisition of nuance and, and, the the public, um, uh, you know, the, the, all, everything got finalized and all that. And, and a lot of what we're taking advantage of, um, with that acquisition is around their technology and, and, you know, things like um, speech uh, transcription, you know, for medical things and things like that. So a lot of a lot of a lot of great stuff there for sure. So yeah, uh, yeah, we're, we're running, we're running long. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got to keep we got to keep moving. We don't want to lose everybody. Uh, so the next the next pillar is uh, transparency. Um, and this this one's a big one. Um, you know, and and when you when you look at the pillars um, on, on the link that you shared, uh, this one is is sort of one of the foundational pillars. And um, um, the, the reason for that is because, you know, it's all well and good that we're developing these systems. But if people don't know how they're developed and what's being taken into account, it makes it really hard to measure the rest of this stuff. Right. And so, you know, it, it, it needs to be um, available so that when AI systems are, are in use, um, we need to know um, how people could be impacted and how the decisions are made that were put into building the system, right? Um, uh, when you think about the intelligibility or the um, the useful explanation that the AI system is is using, um, you know, we want to make sure that uh, everybody is is very clear on what's happening um, behind the scenes, which also plays into all of the rest of the components here. And so, um, you know, really 
AI systems should be honest and forthcoming about, you know, when, why, and how uh, things were chosen and the, and, you know, and, and uh, the decisions that went into that. So, um, you know, just definitely a a very key important piece, you know, because um, uh, without having that transparency, um, you know, people can't identify whether there's, progress being made on those top four pillars unless there's enough transparency around how those systems have been built and how they function. Or they Uh, won't trust them because, you know, it's not built on magic server pixie dust. It's, you know, it's built on the technology. And if you're, you're open with how the decisions are made, you have more trust to it. Right. And, 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 you know, the thing is, right. So when we back up and we look at how we build a machine learning algorithm, you know, we take into account a bunch of parameters and we say, okay, um, you know, we're going to analyze these to come up with a um, percent likelihood that our uh, case that we're feeding into this system uh, will be true or false. Right. And it's all based on a hundred percent. And so if it's a hundred percent, which I don't think I've ever seen a hundred percent, but you can certainly see in the 99th you know, percentile, um, you know, th- to be true, if you will, um, you know, okay, we're going to make a decision from that. Right. And so um, it, it's basically a series of actions that are taking place as, as these systems are built out. And so, um, you know, if, if, um, you know, say, uh, the threshold is 70% that you take that next action. Well, you know, it's probably good to let people know that, you know, that prediction engine is, is, you know, there's a 30% likelihood it's going to be wrong, you know? And so, uh, you know, things like that, that, that having that foundation is, is just really important. As long as it's not a 30% margin when I'm in a car and it's going down the highway at right. 65 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and then, and sort of the final uh, baseline pillar, if you will, is, is accountability. Right. And so um, it, this comes back to, you know, the, the organizations, the people who build these AI systems really need to be accountable for how the system works. What does it do? Right. Um, you know, obviously um, you think about things like facial recognition, which we talked about briefly, you know um, there's been a a growing demand for facial recognition technology, Um, you know, and this could be used in a lot of different ways, right? Um, Some of the good ways, like, um, well, uh, a a kid went missing, you know, and um, you know, there's just, millions and billions of cameras around the world. And, you know, we want to see, um, you know, kid went missing. We've got cameras, street cameras in New York city, you know, we can detect that kid, you know, and, and we go and find them. Right. Well, the problem becomes when, (laughs) you know, they're used for different purposes, you know, say tracking, um, a suspected, um, terrorist, you know, and, um, what, what, rights does that person have, you know, and, and again, not going to get into politics, not going to get into, um, you know, feelings about that kind of thing. But, um, you know, in a way, if that's an American citizen, um, that you're tracking and, and, um, you know, you're now violating, um, that person's rights. Right. And so, um, you think of like minority report, where, you know, they're using AI to determine when there's going to be a crime. I think that was the one, one of those. That was um, that. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, prediction of a crime. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. right. And, and it was based on this AI stuff that was, you know, all around what, you know, people's actions were and motivations were and things like that. Um, you know, and, and 
just with with natural um uh i'm trying to think of of the the phrase you know it's used highly in, in religion right you know um free will if you will um you know you, you don't know which way they're going to go there there's a set of circumstances leading up to that um but we don't want our systems making those decisions for us oh. right we, we, you know so um we don't want somebody predicting that we're going to, um, you know, yeah. uh, uh, create, uh, commit a crime. Um, now, when we do commit a crime, it'd be great that our AA systems detect that. Right. And, and sure. you know, <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, it just kind of a, just kind of an interesting uh, debate there. And, and it really is a debate, you know, so a lot, of, a lot of different people see it a lot of different ways and comes down to what country you live in and things like that too. So, and, and it's deployed now there, you know, there's countries with lots of cameras that if it right. sees a protect, a particular, subject if you will and they do particular movements that they know are like somebody's loitering or they're like walking back and forth at a certain rate you know they'll send a car to investigate you know or you know there's that's that's like the first step into that uh but then it gets very slippy right (laughs) beyond that it's super slippy yeah 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 um exactly and you know i mean obviously um you know we've talked previously in previous shows about things like um spatial analysis you know how many people are in a bank lobby for how long you know um you know those those are good uses to understand okay um you know between the hours of three and five um you know we generally have uh, 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 an influx of people coming into the bank and so you know we should have p- more people on staff for those two hours you know maybe we yeah. create a, a new position that's just for mother's hours or you know whatever where where we have a higher amount of staff and but it's not a full-time person so that we have the appropriate staffing for customer service needs but we're not breaking the bank and having people stand around when there's nobody there right yeah. so there are a lot of systems like that that you can do analysis to um, make your your um, company and operations perform better, uh, you know, while providing a better service, but not breaking the bank when it comes to staffing requirements and things like that. Right. So uh, but those aren't doing facial recognition. Those are doing people counting, you know. Sure. And so um, it, it's it, you know, th- th- there can certainly be a fine line, um, you know, but it's just things that we want to take into account and, and look at the accountability. Yeah, to, just to put our, our listeners' minds at ease and those who are uh, more on the business side and don't understand the tech, uh, I once explained it. We were doing a uh, a project around AI on Microsoft technology, and we were counting people, and we were counting people to know when to staff to clean certain parts of a facility, knowing that when certain trains were coming and, and there was a train bus depot, knowing when people were coming, looking at the schedules, had up building an algorithm. They're like, "Well, are we violating people's?" Like, no, consider them like blocks of leg. We're just counting blocks, not the little mini figures that have the little overalls and, you know, the beard. We're counting just blocks of people. That's it. We're looking for the shape of a person. We're counting it. We're time stamping when that is. And we're drawing a conclusion on when to send and deploy uh, support staff to make sure that, you know, the areas are cleaned or, you know, service was done. Uh, so there's those, there's those lines, right? You can do both. And again, it's around doing it responsibly. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, those are the types of scenarios that, that we, we start feeding into, um, you know, going back to the, the Terminator example, right. Is, is that, you know, as, as these systems become smarter and smarter, um, you know, if, if they aren't, um, deployed responsibly, um, you know, there, there comes a point where, well, it's, it's not a giant leap to, um, you know, go from, 
some some type of weapon, you know, using AI um, and taking an action with a weapon based on AI information, right? And um, that's a pretty scary world, uh, you know. And and so I think with this foundation, you know, we help to um, somewhat curb that that uh, concern. Um, you know, nothing's foolproof, but you know, things like that. So for sure. Um, so, you know, so those are the six pillars that, that people really need to worry about and, and, and consider. Um, and, you know, um, you know, we talked to there'd be some examples and stuff like that. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of stories and, and a lot of this is covered on, on the, the responsible AI site. But, you know, you, you look at, you know, things of, of systemic racism, um, you know, based on uh, parameters. Right. And so, um, you know, certain races could be left out of, of studies. And so, um, you know, what happens isn't taken into account when the software is built. Um, and so we don't consider that or, um, you know, let's see there. Um, I, I just recently heard that, um, I was listening to a podcast on, um, AI in, I believe it's South Korea, um, where they're, they're using AI for a court system, right? It's a trial run. And it's basically, um, you know, uh, the, the factors that can affect a judge, um, you know, whether it be, uh, being overtired or, um, having, um, uh, unintended biases and things like that. Um, you know, but then having an AI system, you know, based on the parameters of the case again, to determine, you know, will this person commit the crime again? Um, you know, so, so how does that affect sentencing and stuff like that? So there's some really interesting debates around that. And, um, I believe it was stuff you should know podcast. They, uh, yeah. they've got some great stuff on there, but you know, it's like, okay, at what point does, does AI become the judge? Right. And, yeah. and how does that factor in? And, you know, what are the concerns there? Um, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, fairness and, um, you know, what, um, uh, what is a person's, um, you know, race or, or sexual orientation, um, you know, when it's based on um, such um, such bias information at, at, at the baseline, uh, you know, how do we avoid things like that? And how do we how do we pull that out of our model altogether so that it doesn't affect things, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and stuff like that. Um, let's see. We, we discussed on on the previous show how you know insurance rates are predicated on you know, your credit history, you know, like if you have a bad credit history, you know, you're going to, or, or if you live in a certain particular, you know, geo zone, uh, you might be a worse driver. So you're going to mm-hmm. automatically get like a percentage points added to your, your premium, which is ridiculous. Right. You know, um, there, there's people that have, you know, perfectly spotless, you know, credit ratings that are like some of the worst drivers that I know, <laughs> you yeah, know, so right, right. it to prove you can't lay, it's not, you can't overlay just the model over that. You have to have that catch, you know, you have to build in those catches and, sure. and, and understand that, you know, even though we, we want to do things, uh, you know, automated, we also want to make sure that we're, being fair, we're giving agency to all these groups, but more importantly, that we have a process that catches the anomaly, right? Or catches right. the outlier, not just catches right. our mistakes or catches our biases. We want to catch the outlier too, because that's what makes the solution smarter. Right. Um, you know, and you see this a lot. Keep going back to the self driving cars, because I think that's the most complex AI thing we have that, you know, holds a human life in its 
clutches. Um, right. You know, there's so many variables that go into these solutions that, you know, they're constantly learning from each other and then they're feeding that learning back into it. So you're like exponentially, you know, training up. But if you don't take the time to catch that outlier and you don't build that into your process as you're developing your AI, you're continuing forward with a with a flawed model. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I mean, you know, that's that's the whole thing around AI, um, you know, when, when it comes to, um, you know, the the ability to build that model and retrain that model. I mean, there, there it needs to be a, a, a constant thing. Um, and, and that's one thing that I think some customers struggle with where, you know, they just say, well, well, we just, we just want to build a model to know if, if there was some kind of, um, you know, fraud in our expense reimbursements, you know? Uh, and it's like, well, yeah, you can build that initial model, but every single day you have more expenses being reimbursed and, and, you know, you're, you're bringing more and more evidence to be able to, you know, help improve that model, but it takes a lot of care and feeding, you know? And so, you, you know, you want to avoid a situation where, you know, you, you build something to walk away. It's just, it's just not a good system and, and it's not an effective way to, uh, to, to build these types of systems. And so that's something that people need to take into account is that it is a, a continual learning process. Yeah. And if you can teach it to train itself with data sets and, you know, you curate those data sets and you, you know, QA them, right. you know, it, it's not that difficult to keep, keep up with it. Right. You don't have right. to rebake it every time, you know, your initial investment into deploying it. It's not the same thing every time you want to redo that. It's, right. you know, running things through again and retraining. And, you know, I, I, I was had a conversation. Of, it was really good likening of like GitHub. So those who are a little bit more nerdy and, you know, this is not as much for the business side, but GitHub source repository, there's branches, right? And you can merge certain branches back in and you can drop other branches. So like, it's kind of like that model, right? You want to keep what's good, throw away what's not good. And then that's your new normal. That's your new master, right? And you're going to move forward with that until you need to have more branches, figure out what's good, drop what's not and, and keep feeding those, that feedback loop in. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a great topic. Um, you know, you, you shared out the, um, the link there. Um, and so I, I, you know, if there are any questions, I think people, you know, feel free to reach out, um, you know, ask, ask anything, you know, we can help with, uh, there's also a GitHub, um, around how to build your own scorecard, some of the practices and things like that. Uh, you know, and so definitely something you want to check out if this is intriguing to you and, and look at some of the, the way that people are building these. But, uh, but I think that gives a pretty good overview. We didn't get too, too technical, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, which, which I think is, is good and refreshing for folks sometimes. Yep. Um, so, but you know, great topic and, and uh, really glad that uh, you could have me on to kind of go through it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just so glad you could always come on. We always have good conversations today was, was the perfect straddling of business and a little bit of technology there. Um, so uh, let's tell our listeners and viewers how we reach you. I'll throw your, uh, throw your Twitter up there. Yeah, um, great. Yeah. Um, so Christopher Lewis on LinkedIn, you know, of course, um, I'm very active on there and then, uh, you know, always looking to help out, uh, you know, folks are looking for guidance and things like that. Anything in the Microsoft world, happy to help out anyway. I can. Uh, and then of course, um, on, on Twitter at biz And finally my, uh, my YouTube channel is, uh, youtube.com slash biz I actually finally got a video out a couple of weeks ago. It's been a while. Nice. But, uh, yep. yeah. So, you know, it's it got a lot of balls in the air. So doing my best. 
Yeah, yeah, you got a lot going on, and uh, we appreciate your time. Uh, as everyone knows how to follow me, I'll throw my Twitter up there too as well. Um, so look in the show notes uh, when this is compiled, and also on the video notes, we'll we'll put these links we shared today. Uh, initially, this will go out to podcast, and then we'll put it on video too as well. Uh, thank everyone, and appreciate you as listeners and viewers. And Chris, we hope to have you back real soon. Yeah, can't wait. See awesome. You guys. Thank you.